Welcome to Real Estate Coaching Radio, starring award-winning real estate coaches and number one international best-selling authors, Tim and Julie Harris. This is the number one daily radio show for realtors looking for a no BS, authentic, real-time coaching experience. What's really working in today's market, how to generate more leads, make more money, and have more time for what you love in your life. And now your hosts, Tim and Julie Harris. We are back and today we are asking the question or asking you to ask the question, why did you not get the listing? Why didn't you take that listing? You remember that appointment you went on? You got prepared for the listing appointment. You thought you had it in the bag and sure enough, they hire somebody else. If that's happened to you, well, we're going to help you self-discover why you didn't take the listing. And for those of you who have never gone on a listing appointment before, and there's, you know, some of you, that is the case, well, we're going to help you to avoid Uh, When you do go on listings, many appointments, that you take them opposed to not getting the listing. So the question we have for all of you today is, so you didn't take the listing, why not? And we're going to be going over 11, frankly, they're questions, but they're also thoughts, things that are going to hopefully force you to be intuitive that will prevent you from ever losing again, like ever again, like every appointment you go on, you take. That's (laughs) right. And I have to say that all of these points apply to all of you from newbies to grizzled veterans. I think really the difference is when a more veteran agent doesn't take a listing and they're kind of used to taking listings, it pisses them off so much more, right? So there's different levels of this. Obviously, if you're not taking listings because you don't have listing appointments, that might be a different issue. And that's something we can help you with in coaching. This podcast assumes that you're going on listings. And of course, we want you all to be listing agents it's most important that you are taking them when you go on that appointment. So without any further ado, we'll get to that. Actually, Julie, you had a couple yes. things you wanted to share with them that you heard that pertains to the Ukraine. So why don't you share yes. those things to them? We'll get to our first point in a well, second. Well, we know this is all on your mind, so I'm always looking for positive stuff uh, for you to chew on. First one is related to housing. This comes from Airbnb. So that's most of you guys know what that is. That's kind of like VRBO, Vacation Rental Properties, Airbnb.org forward slash help dash Ukraine. So here's an interesting little development. Uh, People have gotten together and figured out that one of the best ways you can help actual Ukrainian homeowners, people who have, and first of all, yes, there's Airbnbs in the Ukraine. I didn't know that. And there's quite a few of them. Most of them range from 50 bucks a night to like two or $300 a night. But what people have figured out to do, it's not that they're going to go sign up and stay in the Ukraine, right? It's that this is a way to transfer money immediately to homeowners. So you go there, you choose first available, you check out, and you immediately have given money to that homeowner. And this has become like a really huge thing. People all over the world are doing this. So that's kind of cool. That's amazing. Uh, Also, Airbnb itself has decided to help uh, for free up to 100,000 refugees. So if you are an Airbnb owner, you can go there and sign up for that program and help those refugees. It's something they did for New Orleans and flooding and all kinds. You know, it's a setup thing that's already existed. Then the other fun story I heard was that the Metropolitan Opera just reopened their next season and they opened with what is, I've only heard it on the radio, it is an amazing rendition of the Ukrainian National Anthem. (laughs) So this is all under the big, uh, you know, category of a unique moment of solidarity really for the world if you want to put a silver lining on all of the drama that's happening out there. And Zoe uh, was uh, participating in Ukrainian um, Recognition Day by yes. wearing yellow and blue today. Yes. And they they all, I think the kids all donated five bucks and, you know, this is all an organized thing. So, yes, I, I do like, 
you know, it's a, a horrible reason, but I do like that people are coming together over it. It is a weird thing uh, globally mm-hmm. uh, what's happening with regards to yeah, I have to, overall the um, support of Ukraine, regardless of political sides, regardless of country, regardless of, you know, all the rest of it is incredible. It is. And it's reassuring to see that when there is a reason for us to be unified um, as a people, let's just uh, speak mostly of Americans, that we quickly set aside our partisan wranglings and yeah. get to work. It can still happen. I, yeah. I think that's encouraging after all of the other stuff that's happened. I can venture a guess that not everyone's encouraged by the fact that within a snap of a fingers, we come back as a, a unified Rally. country. Mm-hmm. I imagine some people really don't like the fact that they have that little uh, control over our influence. And Probably. we are, at the end of the day, um, one people, you mm-hmm. know. But seeing all of it come together this quickly – uh, you know, it's it's pretty amazing. I think it's awesome. So yeah, how about the Ukraine and the Ukrainian people in in your uh, in your prayers? And um, yeah, let's see what happens next over there. It Europe. Uh, uh, here's a story I heard, and then we're going to get to our first point. Yeah. Germany uh, has they were getting I think vast amounts of their oil and, and thus their their gas, automotive fuel, and diesel and whatnot from the Ukraine. And within like 24 hours, they cut off all their uh, their imported fuel yes. supplies. And the U- Putin evidently had not bet that Europe, Western Europe in particular, would be willing to take a stand against Russia for fear of losing their gas, uh, you know, oil and gas mm-hmm. access right. from Russia. Well, and I believe that they got between 30 and 50 percent. Most of the countries are getting a huge amount from basically uh, all from of Russia. it. And yeah. so uh, Germany, which I think pretty much in Europe that all the other countries look up to Germany. Yes. And Germany essentially said no more Russian oil. And overnight, their fuel prices doubled. And mm-hmm. European fuel prices, if you guys have ever been to Europe before, are already extraordinary. Uh, Europeans pay a ton of money per gallon, but then a lot of it's going to taxes, just mm-hmm. FYI. So ultimately, what the Europe, what the Germans in particular were willing to do is sacrifice yes. for the sake of uh, Eastern Europe in this particular example. Mm-hmm. And I think that's kind of something, again, that the world hasn't seen for a long time. And I think it's incredibly mm-hmm. encouraging. Definitely. And this, these are all the unintended consequences of mm-hmm. something like this. You don't really know where it's all going to go. And there's so many stories coming out about this. But the, these are positive stories, yes, right? Yes, that's what I'm saying. That's yeah. what we're sharing with everybody. That's right. Yeah. Keeping your head screwed on straight, which is part of our job. Right? Yeah. Well, I so. mean, but if you watch the news, it's not going to be anything positive that's no. coming from this. It's all going to be negative. <laughs> no, I mean, you do. Horrific... A, you have to search for things that are positive from this. Exactly. All right. So, so top 10, 11 listing agent mistakes and how to avoid them. And this is uh, today's show part one of three. Yes. So again, this applies to all of you. You will, if you have not yet, find yourself in these circumstances. So we're trying to get in front of that and fix it for you. So here's a fact. Of all activities in real estate, listings require the highest level of skill. That's just a fact. Working with buyers is physical labor. Working with listings is mental labor. And you guys know that now more than ever, right? So here's a myth. Here's This is something that I won't say coaches say generally, but you hear this out there from trainers and whatever. Here's the myth. That it's okay and you can expect to list only 50% of what you go on in terms of listing appointments versus listings taken. Now, here's the thing. You would not accept a grade of 50% from your kids. So why do you think it's acceptable for you? Let's take a look at the top 10, I think now it's 11 reasons, that agents don't walk away with signed paperwork on a listing appointment. So accept the fact that taking half is not normal. It shouldn't be your normal. And that is not a great criteria. We, in our coaching, expect our coaching clients to take 100% 
unless there's a good reason that you discover through your pre-qualifying or, or something like that. Well, you're nicer than I am because I say 100% no reasons accepted. Well, I mean, if you're going to go on and look at it, you generated the lead, you Absolutely. pre-qualified it, you sent a pre-listing package, you did a CMA, maybe you previewed it, right? This this appointment was hard-earned. But it's worse than that. You've hired a babysitter. You've essentially That's scrolled right. away an evening sitting in front of this seller. You've, uh, and so you has know, your seller prospect, by the way. And then think about all the time that went into preparing your pre-listing pack, learning your what to say and how to say it, all the effort. You're talking about, in some cases, dozens of hours that went into one listing appointment. And then if you walk in there with the mindset, oh, I get it if I don't, Ugh. you're not going to get it. You've already lost if you it, do that. It, it's this whole mindset uh, that is essentially setting yourself up for failure. Why would you think that way? How would you like it if, for example, you had to go in and have some surgical procedure? <laughs> And let's say your surgeon walks in and goes, you know what, 50% success rate's good enough for me. You may or may not live. I'm, yep. I'm See good. See you in the morning. I'm good either way. <laughs> no. No. So you guys have to look at 100% success rate when you're going on listing appointments and you accept nothing short of that. And if you fail, and we're going to get to these points, mm -hmm. if you don't get it, you, you cannot blame some external reason. You cannot make up excuses. They wouldn't take my price. They wouldn't pay a commission. They wouldn't this. They wouldn't the other no. thing. The other agent had an inroad to getting the listing. They knew him from some social connection, all the rest of it. You cannot give yourself an excuse to fail. You have had, you should have known all of those things about that seller prior to going on the appointment yes. and through pre-qualification. It's that, your fault if you didn't take it. A hundred percent. And that's the mindset, guys. It's called extreme responsibility. Okay. So here's another fact. Listing agents make more money and have more solid businesses and more free time than buyer's agents. That is just a fact. The more listings you have, the more security you'll have mentally, emotionally, and financially. Another fact, becoming a successful listing agent is the most challenging, most skilled-based, highest paid part of your job. Not becoming great at this is actually a liability to your career, especially now. Make the commitment to learn the most important part of your job as a real estate professional. And I'm not just talking about listing random repeat clients or your cousin. I'm talking about turning into an honest-to-God powerful listing agent. Now, this is the uh, – we always have to remind ourselves, Julie, yep. that there might be some people listening to us for the first time. Mm -hmm. And we have to uh, take them into consideration with regards to reminding all of them that even though there is a seeming and there is a legit lack of inventory right now, historically speaking, last year the same situation was happening, though not as quite as lacking as it is, uh, you know, in March of 2022. March of 2021, there were more available listings, but the market is supplying more inventory. We are That's seeing right. in inventory better. increasing across the country. And the other thing that's happening that didn't happen last year is a lot more builder homes are being uh, delivered and available. So mm -hmm. the market is going to end up resulting in millions of home sales this year. Last year, despite the fact that everyone was belly aching about not enough homes for sale, there were still 6 million home sales. 6 million home sales means that there were 12 million real estate transactions. You know, there's two sides to a real estate, uh, one real estate deal. commissions. Commissions, right. Yeah. Well, sides, transactions, sides. yeah. And then you had, how much was the average commission? $8,000 probably, maybe even more depending. So you're looking at still 16, maybe $20,000 that was made at least 12,000 times last year. So there is plenty of money to go around. But in order for you to be in control of your income, you have to be a listing agent. And I'll give you a couple more platitudes and, mm -hmm. and essentially to really emphasize the importance of being a listing agent. Listing, when you are a listing agent, you have leverage. And it's just very simple to understand. So, you know, it's coming up on the weekend. You don't want to necessarily work this weekend. You want to spend some time relaxing. 
But if you have buyers, you have no control of your schedule, right? You're having to work when they don't work. So in other words, you're working with those buyers when they're not at work, which means that you have no time to spend with your family and your friends, thus making it so you're constantly on this treadmill. Now, if you had listings, let's say you have five listings or even three listings, you can take some downtime and all those buyer's agents are out there trying to sell that listing for you. Mm -hmm. You guys get it? One way you you have no leverage, the other way you have leverage. The listing, having listings gives you freedom. Having listings gives you predictable, duplicatable income. Having listings, once you learn how to be a listing agent and you can then learn how to consistently have a certain number of listings at all times, that's how you build a incredibly profitable real estate business. And with that profit, you reinvest it and you become rich. By the way, if you're looking for a book to read this coming weekend, remember Harris Rules. That's the name of our book. And we talk about all this stuff in great detail. You get it on uh, Amazon, Barnes & Noble, every major bookseller. It's also available on Audible. So make sure you get our book, Harris Rules. And the podcast, we give you an overview. The book, we give you more of a drill down. And then, of course, in the coaching program, we actually show you how to get into action. All right, so we're going to go to point number one, the top 10 reasons agents don't walk away with signed paperwork. In other words, they don't take the listing. Point number one, Julie. Point number one, you assumed it was yours and you were lazy in your presentation. Now, the laziness manifests in many different ways, but it all comes down to you being overly assumptive. And I think this happens a lot with more experienced agents, but it also can happen to you when it's a repeat client or one of your friends. So you took the business for granted. This manifests, again, in several major mistakes. You showed up late. You did not give a real presentation. Or maybe it was a lack of pre-qualifying questions, not being careful with the price. Some other mistakes are things like rescheduling or rescheduling repetitively and not looking or sounding your best. Kind of just, you know... Barely showing up and assuming it was yours. And this is a mistake that agents make mostly, believe it or not, with their centers of influence and past clients. Agreed. And their family members. They just assume that they have the business. They sort of arrogantly, um, you know, they'll just walk in assuming they've got the business or they won't follow up like that. it was an actual competitive listing appointment. You have to assume, even if it's your mama, that <laughs> every single available listing you're going to be competing with or competing for rather competing for other agents or competing with other agents, competing with yourself, you're going to have to be in a mode of winning. And if you're not, you're not going to take the listing. And, you know, again, these are very basic professional, um, I think codes of contact conduct that all of you have to be honoring when you're pursuing the art and science of being a listing agent. Point number two, Julie. Yes. So you don't, you didn't know that you were competing for the listing. You didn't bother to ask. You don't even know. And, and both of these points, actually, I see also with referrals where you assume that you were the only one referred you didn't even think about the spouse knows an agent, right? So you didn't know that you were competing for the listing. This is a result of not using a pre-qualification script. If you don't know whether you're competing or not, you're at a disadvantage. You should almost always go last in the lineup because that is your closing position. It also greatly can uh, change how you present if you know that First of all, you should always assume that you are competing to our previous point. But secondly, wouldn't it be great if you knew you were competing against a discount broker or you're competing against their previous agent or you're competing against the agent that sold the house next door to them? You might change your tactics a little bit. Well, it's the saying you thought of, Julie. If you don't know, don't go. Yes, that's we did it. a podcast on that. We did many yeah. podcasts mm-hmm. about it. Yep. But that's the essence of it. There's a set, In our coaching program, we teach you something called the seven-step listing process. Yep. And the second uh, step in the seven-step listing process is you have to pre-qualify. You have to pre-qualify asking all of the questions because this is the part where you must know before you go. You must know the seller's motivation. You must know if you're competing. You must know 
every single little facet of what's bouncing around in that seller's brain before you go on the listing appointment. The last thing you want to do is walk into a listing appointment and not have all the facts and the figures and have, you know, essentially uh, discover why you're sitting there and probably somewhat nervous that the seller is competing against, you know, you're competing against uh, three other agents that are coming in right after you. And you've only, you know, you got, they're going to set aside 15 minutes. And we've heard horror stories, some of you guys. Oh my gosh. Well, you'll go on listing appointments <laughs> and the seller will say, you've got 20 minutes. And then sure enough, like 20 minutes later, there's a, a knock on the door and the next, you know, supposed yep. hypothetical listing agent is about to walk in. That's you not being in control. That's you not having been professional. So do not go on a listing appointment unless you fully and thoroughly pre-qualified that uh, seller. You want to know every single thought. And then Julie gave you a little tip there. Go last. Don't put yourself in a position where you're going to have to walk into the seller's house and then discover, you know, because you didn't pre-qualify them or you didn't set it up so you were last, that you th are they're going to say, well, you know, you did a fantastic job, Julie. I, we love you. You're obviously, you know, the best agent we've met so far, maybe the best agent on planet Earth. But we've already made an appointment with Sally down the street and she's coming tomorrow at seven, right? That is a difficult uh, objection to overcome. But I will tell you how to overcome it right now. You know, Mr. and Mrs. Seller, I'm. it's fantastic that um, it sounds like we're on the same page that we'll be moving forward. And um, can I tell you what worries me about you interviewing Sally or having her come over, despite the fact that it seems like we're on the same page about price and what we're going to be doing to get the property sold? Well, sure. Well, so here's what happens. I don't know if you've taken this into consideration, Mr. Seller, but Sally, you know, she's got two kids and she's going to have to hire a babysitter and she's going to maybe, you know, have to spend a few hours at least preparing for this appointment. So she's going to really kind of, I think, for at least maybe a day, be focused on this appointment that you've already decided she's not going to take the listing. So you're having her come over and you feel like you're doing that as a courtesy. You're doing that because she's your neighbor and maybe you met her at a, you know, a Thanksgiving party or whatever. But the reality of it is, is that you and I, we've already decided that we're moving forward together, it sounds like. And by having Sally over and then when Sally discovers that she's not going to take the listing after she set aside all this time and made all this effort and maybe even, you know, had her best outfit dry cleaned and spent money and on a babysitter and all that. And then she doesn't take the listing. What we've done is we've made a potential enemy in the marketplace. Can I tell you why? And this is not the script, guys, but I want you to get the gist of it. I don't have the script in front of me, but if I did, you'd realize it was much more short and concise. But this is the essence of it. What we want to do instead, Mr. Seller, is let me call Sally. Let me cancel the appointment with her. And then what we'll do is we're going to give her a first uh, opportunity to bring her prospective buyers through. And then we're going to give her that time back. We're going to give her that potential dry cleaning money back. We're going to give her that evening back to spend with her family. And then we're going to say, Sally, if you have any potential buyers for this house, we're going to let you bring those buyers in first. You have first right for any prospective buyers in this property. So what we then do is we make an ally in the marketplace. We create a fan for your house opposed to creating a potential enemy. Oh, and by the way, Mr. Seller, you get your evening back as well. Um, so if you'd like me to call Sally, I can just do that right now on the way back. So, you know, and that sort of thing. And then you will be shocked. It will not happen every time that 50% of the time the sellers are going to agree. And I remember many times when Julie and I used that script when we were going on listing appointments where the seller, because what happens sometimes is you set an appointment, you confirm that you're last and then somehow the seller decides to interview somebody else or the other agent uh, for some reason misses their appointment date and now they're last. Uh, but you then hit it off with the seller. You followed our seven-step listing process. You've delivered your pre-listing pack. The seller is absolutely positive you're the best agent for them for the job of selling their home. 
Uh, and there's no question, price, commission, net sheet, everything's perfect for them, but they still have this other appointment. They don't understand that essentially having another agent in really is an inconvenience to the other agent. And you guys know it as well as I do. When you go on a listing appointment, if you've gone on one and you've not taken it, you don't really have many warm and uh, fuzzy thoughts about that seller, let alone no, the agent who beat you in the listing, right? So this isn't a way for the other agent to save face, the other agent to get the time back, and also for the seller to feel like, well, you know what, I'm seeming like I'm going to keep Sally as a friend when I see her at the grocery yeah. store or wherever, or at church. I don't necessarily have to turn the other way because I didn't reject her, you That's see. That's right. You're keeping the peace while still closing, right? And most of the time, the seller's just keeping that appointment out of obligation. You know, they don't want to be the one that cancels. Right. Maybe they had some kind of connection to that person. It's not this big thing. And usually, I remember when we did that, and, and usually, and you said it's not 100% of the time, but usually they would have a big sigh of relief. They'd be like, oh, God. I know, do you totally. mind? They'd be like, do, are you sure? Do you, you don't mind doing that call, right? Then you'd be like, sure, it'd be my pleasure to do that. And they're like, oh, thank you. Now, but that said, if I'm just being completely transparent here, when mm -hmm. that would happen in some of our markets where we are hyper competitive with a couple other agents, sure, and we would talk the seller out of interviewing that other agent, um, that I enjoyed, that call. <laughs> <laughs> If I'm being completely honest. I know. I remember Yeah, too. I mean, but yes. if that, that, small that, victories. <laughs> small victories. Victory. Uh, you know, <laughs> I, I remember, what, you know, sometimes they'd give us the pre-listing pack that the other agents would send over to yeah, give them back to too. them. Yeah, that was fun too. Yeah. But I mean, yeah. at the end of the day, guys, you know, these are scripts. This is techniques. Remember Julie said, buyer, working with buyers is physical labor. Working with sellers is mental labor. And what she, meant, what she meant by that, if you didn't kind of translate that was, is you have to be a professional when you're working with sellers. You have to know what to say and how to say it. Was worth working with yeah. buyers. It's not that skills based. It's opening doors. It's making sure people have the, you know, the tenacity and the ability to to actually weather the storm of trying to buy a house nowadays. <laughs> well, especially now. I mean, is the house available? Yeah. And are you willing to pay? Right. Well, that's basically it. So okay. Now point number three, also related to pre qualification, by the way. Point number three, you didn't know what price the seller had in mind before you showed up. Now, this does not mean that they are right about the price, although they may be. But you should know what's going on in their pricing brain before you present your comparative market analysis. Sometimes sellers know about private sales that may be affecting pricing, especially now where there's a lot of private deals and there's, you know, pocket listings, even though you're not supposed to have those, they do exist. They may have some, uh, they may have information on a home and probate, a relocation, any number of reasons. So if you don't ask, you're at a huge advantage. So part of the huge disadvantage rather. So, you know, when we meet, what price do you have in mind? The script that also, this is in our pre-qualification script. And mm -hmm. again, this is an, Julie's question. If they kind of brush that off and they say, for example, well, that's why I'm having you over. Predictable. So I'll give you guys a little psycho a psychological background on that particular response from a seller is that when they say that, almost always that's a red flag that they th that they think that there's a chance the price that they're uh, thinking of uh, pricing it at is more than the market. Mm -hmm. And so they don't want to be called out on it. That's so very true. When yeah. you have a seller push back on telling you what they think the price is, 99.9% .9 of the time it's because they're just their greedy bone's been tickled. And that's perfectly, that's, that's normal. Fine. That's, that's normal. their prerogative. Yeah. But yeah. Here's, a, here's a secondary way of asking. Yes, Mr. Seller, you're right. It is my job to help you put a price in the house. But when I'm uh, spending the two or three hours to do the CMA and doing a really great job for you, uh, what houses have you seen that maybe you've been in, maybe there were open houses, maybe there are houses for sale when you bought your house, maybe you went over to a 
Christmas party or whatever. What houses have you seen in your neighborhood that you thought were closest to yours? Which have recently sold. Well, recently, you can even push that back a little bit. But really, the most recent comps are the better ones. And then they're going to say, well, the house down the street. And you better have your MLS open and you better be looking at what they're talking about. Oh, so you're talking about 123 uh, Fern Street. Um, how did that one compare to yours? And then they'll say, well, that one had a bigger backyard, but it was 500 square feet less. And so what you'll quickly discover is there is not a seller on the face of the earth that has not spent a hell of a lot of time on Zillow, Unrealtor.com, doing their own comps. They and, have comps in their head, for sure. Don't believe that they don't. Exactly. And if they hold that information back from you, that is a red flag. And it, again, in this market, overpricing, frankly, not a big deal. No. But that is going to be a red flag that they are thinking about a price higher than what uh, the market might be telling them. And we're not saying don't take the listing if it's nope. overpriced. Take the damn listing. That's going to be one of the points we're going to talk about on our next podcast. Yes, but the script in the embedded in the pre-qualification script where we're pulling that out of them, that works so well. It's it's so predictable because they'll always say, well, that's why I'm having you over. Always. Well, nearly always, right? Yeah. Okay. And so by using the which home, in the which home or homes in the area, which have recently sold, are most similar to yours, we all know sellers want to say, yeah, but my house is better. Yeah, they're going to pick. It's, it's bait. They're going to pick the high water comps, basically. Of course. But then then they'll at least just show them, And then you can ask questions. Okay, I know that property. That's the one with the you know, the view of the, the river or whatever it is. And I see yours is also on the riverside. So that's a good comparable for yours. I agree. Um, did you go to that house? No, they just drove by it. They only know it from the pictures in the MLS. All right, well, then they've told you that that's a comp for the house. And let's say- At least in their head. In their head. So that, right, exactly. Now you know what they're thinking. And if you can get a couple more data points out of them, you, here's what will happen. Well, you know, and so that one sold for a million dollars. And then, you know, you get, keep them talking and they're going to say, well, then there's the other one across the way. Analytical people are best for this because analytical people are going to have a spread uh, spreadsheet, a literal spreadsheet of comps, usually. We went on many appointments with that. Like they that. did. And, and yeah. again, this is another point we're having going to talk about. Mm-hmm. Make sure you know how to do a real CMA. Because if you walk into a seller's house and the CMA that the seller did is better than your CMA, you're you not lost. getting that damn listing 100% of the time. You're going to have to out-CMA the most uh, analytical uh, seller out there. And again, this is going back to why this is being a listing agent is skills-based, which also circles back to why many of you aren't listing agents because you have yet to learn the skills. But let's go back to the example where you're trying to pull the seller or pull information out of the seller what they think their comps are. So they're going to give you another comp, and maybe if you're lucky, you're going to get a third comp. All right, then you have a range. So the seller's giving you three comps. Let's say the high watermark was 1.3. The lowest one was 1.1. So you just simply say, so Mr. Seller, it sounds like you think your house is worth somewhere between 1.1 and 1.3. And then they'll say yes, no, maybe so. And then you move forward, but at least you know. Why is that important? If you do not know, do not go. When you pre-qualify a seller and ask all these questions and you know everything, now you really know everything because you know what they uh, think the house is worth, how can you lose? You're trying to avoid being surprised so that you have to tap dance some way at your appointment, which freaks all of you guys out naturally. And then they throw another objection at you and now you're toast. And now you're trying to talk your way out of it and you've been there two and a half hours and they can't wait to shove you out the door. Exactly. And we made those mistakes too when we got in real estate. That's how we know. That's how we know. <laughs> a seller wants you in the house maximum of about 30 minutes. If you're long in longer than that, you probably aren't going to get the listing. Well, so spend more time up front before you get there so you can spend less time when you're actually there, okay? And not be really surprised. The other thing is, you know, in today's market is much more forgiving. And I think agents that have been around for five to 10 years. Forgiving to, 
price. Forgiving to price, condition, or location. That's right. That's right. And so what we're talking to you about now in today's conditions could change if we get more inventory and more competition. But the reason that I mention this is even if the seller is a little bit high, we have lots of examples of by the time you get it all spruced up, listed, and, and out there, you have a high likelihood of getting it. Most of you guys know that right now. But to, to the original point here, it doesn't mean that they're always right about price, but at least you're going to find out where they came up with their price. When you dig deeper in your comps, maybe they were all in the river, but you find out that one house was a thousand square feet bigger. Well, not every seller is going to naturally think that, but you've got to have that basis to be able to explain where you're coming from. And lo and behold, you will discover again in a crazy market like what we're experiencing now, a historically, historically unique market. You will sometimes find that the sellers are actually thinking their houses are worth less than what they're actually a, worth. A strange byproduct of today's market. Which, yes. by the way, in the normal real estate world, never that happens. Never happens. <laughs> but the most salient example of that are unrepresented sellers that yep. are for sale by owners, which the world is rampant with right now, by the way. They oftentimes will list with you guys and you'll get a higher price. So, you know, I always think in my coach's brain, like how many conversations in today's market do they not have to deal with? Pricing, you know, really in-depth pricing and having to go toe-to-toe -to -toe with why you've got to, you know, be reasonable about price. You don't really have to do that that much right now. Um, whether, you know, how many days in the market it's going to take, what happens if it takes six months to sell your house? Most of the time you guys aren't dealing with this stuff. So that's a blessing in what you're dealing with. So some of you are listening to Julie and I talk a little bit about the skills necessary to be a powerful listing agent and you are feeling overwhelmed. Well, do not let the overwhelmed emotion cause you not to take action. Otherwise, the chances of you staying in this business longer or long term are greatly reduced to almost zero. Yeah. The simple fact is, is there's a great, um, you know, a wipeout that's going to be happening, frankly, to many agents who have been only buyer's agents. The market that we're going to be entering into for buyer's agents, it already is really challenging. Well, you're going to see it even become more challenging. Become a listing agent. So before at the top of the show today, we talked about the fact that last year there were 6 million home sales, not including new construction, which equates to at least 12 million real estate transactions or sides, right? There's two sides to each real estate, real estate uh, transaction or sale. Okay. Hopefully some of you <laughs> are not confused, but here's the thing that how many of those were sold by uh, the listing agents, double ending or selling their own listings or dual agency. How many of those that we just told you were the listing agent making both sides of the uh, commission? You I know, bet. it's true. If you, if you, this is a new thought for you, all you have to do is get into your MLS and see how many instances you see a new listing pop in and immediately go pending. That probably meant that the agent had somebody lined up for it or you have zero or one days on the market. They're just popping in the MLS to get volume credit. And buyer's agents, don't be pissed at the listing agents. Some of you guys want to create like some sort of holy war that the listing agents are hoarding all the listings and they're taking the inventory off and you can't sell it to your buyers. Well, yeah. Be that's pissed at yourself for not being the listing agent. Exactly. The only solution is not to complain and try to pass more regulations and get your MLS, to, you know, all the rest of it. The only solution is for you to become a listing agent. That's it. So be, mm -hmm. put all your best energies to becoming a listing agent immediately. No more delay. And we made it very easy for you. If you guys like to become listing agents, join our coaching program. That is the primary focus of Premier Coaching. Text the word PREMIER to 47372. Text the word PREMIER to 47372. And you can join Premier Coaching depending on what path you choose for around $100 a month. And yes, you will be entitled to a daily semi-private coaching call with one of our uh, Harris Certified Trained Coaches. So text the word PREMIER to 47372 and you get our complete system. This is not a you know a system where we're going to hold back anything. You get the scripts, the objection handlers, you get our complete real estate systems, 
you get our exclusive list of affiliates, companies that we will refer to you guys and that you often get discounts for using, for example, getting your expireds or getting your for sale by owners, or getting your notice of defaults or getting your, you know, all the different sources of listing uh, leads that we uh, teach you guys how to pursue. All that information is included when you join Premier Coaching. So just text the word Premier to 47372. Text the word Premier to 47372. Remember, message and data rates may apply. So you guys have a fantastic weekend. I am going to leave you with this one thought. It is March 4th. Now, I know a lot of you listen to our podcast and replay, so don't worry about the fact that it is March 4th and you're listening to us in you know, a, a different day or month. The information is still relevant. This information is evergreen. But it's March 4th, which means we just had a change of the month, which means that there were more expires and more opportunities for you to directly contact sellers. If you let the month uh, slip by you, the change of the month slip by you, and you did not do the work, why not? Why didn't you actually proactively pursue listing opportunities? I think I know why, because you didn't know how. That's the point of uh, becoming a Premier Coaching member. So don't delay. Text the word Premier to 47372. Remember, message and data rates may apply. Thank you for continuing to make this the number one listen to daily podcast for real estate agents in at least the United States. Um, prayers for everyone going, uh, having, ex you know, obviously horrible experiences over in the Ukraine. Uh, but be blessed by the upsides, the things that are happening as a result of this. Look for, try to avoid watching news. Try to avoid doing anything that's going to depress you and get you off your mission. Listen to, by the way, the past, uh, what would it be? Five days of podcasts Julie and I did. They're all geared to help you guys reinforce having a positive mindset. Mm -hmm. You can listen to all of our past podcasts. We have thousands of past shows on, obviously, iTunes, TimAndJulieHarris.com, Stitcher, Spotify, Google uh, Play, every single podcast listening widget out there. We're all syndicated. We're syndicated everywhere. There's nowhere where you can't find our show. And if you are on iTunes, please do remember to give us a five-star reviewer if you're listening to us on um, what is it? YouTube. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Please subscribe. Yep. We certainly appreciate your continued uh, support. You guys have a fantastic day. Listen to our podcast anytime. Like I said, we have thousands of past shows waiting for you to listen to. Have a fantastic day. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.